0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many more, and you can make money from your podcasts. It's everything you need to do to make a podcast in one place. So If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. get started
1: and here's what i find fascinating with stories and questions mark when we hear a great story the way our brain works is we don't actually have to write it down verbatim we don't have to focus on man i've got to memorize this we hear a great story several days later we can share that story if it comes to mind with somebody almost verbatim
2: Mm
1: because somehow stories just stick in our brains in a way in which random facts do not.
0: Hey, hey, Mark P. Fisher, Chief Encourager with Inspiring Growth, where we inspire growth with leaders and their organizations. Hey, today's conversation is part two of my fascinating discussion with leader and author Bob Teedy. By the way, if you'd like a free copy of Bob's new book, Now That's a Great Question, Head over to inspiringgrowth.biz and click on free books. That's inspiringgrowth.biz. Now, in today's podcast, you will discover six great strategies to grow as a leader and grow the bottom line of your organization. Number one, the single most powerful question you can ask to grow your organization. Two, how to turn declarative statements into productive questions. Three, important coaching questions. Four, good questions to ask when you're faced with new opportunities. Five, now some would say that Jesus was one of the best communicators in world history. Whether you agree or disagree, in this episode you're going to discover two things Jesus did to earn him that title. And six, discover how to solve problems and attack challenges with what Bob calls question storming. Are you ready to jump in? Let's go. So, Bob, thank you again for being in the studio with me and inspiring growth listeners.
1: Mark, it's my pleasure. This is always fun to be with
2: you.
0: Yes, I feel as if we're going to have a regular podcast, but we'll wait on that. So I love what Tom Ziggler, Zig Ziggler's, I think it's his son, right? He runs the Ziggler Incorporated. Correct. He said the, the right question means everything because it leads you to the right answers. Life is too short to ask the wrong questions. I love that. I love that. And wasn't it Zig Ziglar? I I feel like it was Zig that said he speaks at like 400 words a minute with gusts up to like 800 or something like that.
1: He did. Yes.
0: He was quite a guy. And then uh, Rick Wardsman, executive director of the Drucker Institute. I appreciate what he said about being insatiably curious about other people, about ideas, about what's working and what isn't and why. It's a big part of who I am as a person and who runs an organization. And, you know, I, I think as we inspire growth in leaders and their brands and their organizations, I realize so much of what I do to help leaders is to fuel curiosity in them. But you as a recovering teller, I love that phrase, <laughs> you've helped leaders do some amazing things. And, and what I've found is, telling comes so naturally and 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 being inquisitive doesn't let's let's play a game help my leaders and listeners and me it's like free consulting with bob td <laughs> turn question turn statements into questions okay so let's play ask don't tell you ready i'm ready okay statement bob this is what you need to do this week mark what are your priorities for this week oh. all right bob In order to solve this problem, this is what I need you to do.
1: Mark, what might you do to address this issue?
0: Stop asking me questions. Okay, Bob, hey, listen, guess what? Profits are up 15%.
1: Wow, Mark, what might have contributed to our profits being up 15%? How might we build on that?
0: Oh, so good. Statement, Bob, these are the new products and services we're going to start developing.
1: Mark, what new products or services are our customers or clients asking for? How can we find out what new products or services our customers
0: or clients actually need? (laughs) So customer-centric. Bob, you suck. You need to go to sales training. (laughs) Mark, why do you
1: think sales training might benefit me? (laughs) Hey,
0: here's what I'm going to do for you. Mark, how can I help you? Mm. Mm, So good. So good. Let's do one more. Let's play one more. We need to reduce costs by 23%. Get busy. Mark,
1: what might we do to reduce costs Mm. by 23%?
0: Yep. Yep. So this idea of of reducing your statement to question ratio, what would you say to an inquisitive leader that wants to get there?
1: Well, first, you kind of got to know where you're at now. If you have an executive assistant and the, the next time you have your team together, have them do a little telly sheet. And on that telly sheet, just keep track of how many statements did Mark make? How many questions did Mark ask of the team? That kind of lets you just know where you're at. And, and most of us will be surprised. We think we ask a lot more questions than we do. And, uh, but when we compare them to statements to questions ratio, you'll know where you start. Mm. Now, if you ask that assistant to continue to do that for you, you become more mindful, you become conscious. Most of the time, when we're, you know, in a staff meeting, we're functioning unconsciously, we're not aware of our question to statement ratio. Starting to keep tabs of it will move us. Of course, there needs to require intentionality that you think that actually would be a good thing. Right, yeah. Uh, Another thing is in preparing for a staff meeting is to think ahead of time, what are the questions I'd like to ask? You know, as I've shared other times, Mark, I'm addicted to telling. Asking questions does not come naturally to me. Right. So I have to be intentional. Part of my intentional process is to write out potential questions that I'd like to ask because they don't just flow spontaneously from my brain. So having yeah. having those in advance of a meeting and, and then, Mark, there's there's another idea. When I look at most agendas for meetings, I see a list of items yeah, and something that's really easy to increase the effectiveness in question the statement ratio is to turn all those agenda items into questions.
0: Like in my sales meeting, for example, I'll meet with a team and we'll go over the status report. The status report tells us, you know, where are we now? Where were we compared to last week? Compared to this time last year? So instead of writing status report on the agenda, what would you write? Well, you kind of
1: answered it in your first comment. In other words, think, what is the reason that we're having the status report on the agenda? And it's probably to check our status behind, on target, or ahead of target. Just asking that question allows your team to know, why is it that Mark has status listed here? Now, it may be obvious, but but sometimes it's not so obvious. It could be, uh, the next thing could be National Sales Conference. Yeah. The team could guess at what the real agenda is, but maybe a real agenda is how do we, we increase in, how do we increase attendance at the yeah. national sales conference? That's good. Now coming to that, I read that and I know okay. Mark wants to focus on that. On the other hand, maybe the focus isn't on that. You're really wondering who should we invite to come be our speakers, mm-hmm. and. But if you just have National Staff Conference, I have to guess what the real question is. If you yeah. put on there, who should we invite to speak at the National Staff Conference, it's crystal clear what Mark wants to talk about on that agenda item.
0: Well, and, you know, it's interesting. Over the years, you've inspired me to ask better questions at the beginning of meetings. So now, typically, when I'm holding a meeting, I will invite everyone to sort of lean into a question. And it, with a new team that I've been working with for the last six months, I've started each meeting with a question about them, not so much about solving the problems of the business, but about them. Like, for example, recently, I I was with the team and I said, hey, if you could get one skill, like instantly, what would it be? Hmm. Great discussion. Great discussion. Or another question was, "What's your family tradition? Like your favorite family tradition?" And we started going around the room. Or, "What was your first paying job?" I read. I read somewhere some HR professional said that this, the likelihood of success of an incoming employee is dependent on the age that they when they started their first paying job. Have you heard about this? I have not. So if it's under 16, there's a high likelihood that they're driven, ambitious, they're going to get stuff done, they're problem solvers. So it was fun for my team to listen. I didn't tell them that, so I didn't want to, to seed the conversation. But, you know, or, you know, what movie have you seen recently? Why did you like it? Or who? what superhero do you most, or is most like you? Yeah. You know, those kinds of questions I just find to be fun, you know, and my motto is have fun, but get it done. So, I, I, I just appreciate how you've just stirred me on to be more inquisitive and get, get teams engaged.
1: I love it. Engaging people like you're doing, Mark, is so important. I mean, it reminds me of Cheryl Batchelder's book, Dare to Serve, when she asks, and we covered in a previous podcast, what are the three, four questions that have most shaped your life? And, and then I relate to Patrick Lincioni's book, Three Signs of a Miserable Job. One of those yeah. is being unknown. So the fact that you're asking questions that allow people to reveal parts of themselves, and and nothing in a gotcha kind of way.
0: No, 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 no.
1: But in a fun kind of way, and your team ends up feeling known to each other. It's not like they don't even know my uh, last name. They they stumble over my first Uh name, but they know nothing Uh about me. You know, you're creating relationships because people discover. Interesting things about each other, you know, creates those relationships. Fabulous, so, what you're doing.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, good teamwork, you and me, over the years. My son worked at a uh, fast food restaurant, and the owner always called him Bud because he didn't couldn't remember his name. And mm. it was hard, it wasn't hard for him to quit, in part because he just felt unknown. I mean, you yeah. Know. All right, let's talk about opportunities. So, a leader comes to you and says, "Man, I've got this great opportunity." And you talk about when an opportunity comes, there's a really simple but important question. And most of us make the mistake of, you know, the first question that we'll ask when we see this fantastic new opportunity is usually the wrong question. Whereas my mentor used to say, first thought, worst thought. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pause. The right question probably will increase the likelihood that you'll be able to take advantage of it. So the first question usually is, "How could I do this?" It almost comes from a scarcity mindset. Yeah. What's the better question?
1: But let me go back first. Okay. On on what happens when we ask the wrong question, mm-hmm. we we see an opportunity, and if our first question is, "How can I do this?" Mm-hmm. Almost all of us are already ske- over scheduled. We're over capacity, And so if the first question is, how could I do this? And we're thinking, oh, even though it's a great opportunity, I have absolutely zero capacity to do that. We won't even give that opportunity the time of day. We will immediately dismiss it. And there goes, potentially a terrific opportunity. Well, so asking, how can I do this? Or what could I do to do this? is actually the wrong question. The right question is, who? Who could I get to help? You sound like an owl. So it's asking who instead of how or what. And the who is, is who could I get to help? Who, Who could we hire to do this? I mean, if it's a great opportunity, you can invest in it. It will pay for itself. Who would love to do this? Who would invest in this? It's asking the who question versus the uh, the how or what because great opportunities will attract the right who. Oh, well said. Say that again. Oh, great opportunities will attract the right who.
0: Oh, so good. So so good. Okay. Now you have spent many years many years coaching leaders. And coaching leaders typically requires you to sit and understand a few things. So in, the, in a coaching process, what are, what are the simplest questions you can ask a leader?
1: Well, Mark, I want to ask you a, a really simple question. Now, I realize you. in today's world, we tend to use uh, Uber, but there still are taxis. But in the world of taxis, whenever you were anywhere and you got into a taxi, what is the first question the taxi cab driver asked you?
0: I want to say something snarky right there, but I'm going to say, where are you going? Yeah. Where do you want to go? I was just in Palm Springs. The taxi guy says, where are you going? I told them, this
1: Hilton on this street. Imagine just for a moment. And we take that, you know, wow. Yeah, of course. That's what they ask. And of course, we have an answer. But imagine getting into a taxi cab and the driver says, hey, where are we going? And you say, I don't know. Not sure. Not a great leader. I I think your taxi cab driver is going to do one of two things. Probably ask you to get out of his cab because he's thinking you're a crazy person. (laughs) Or saying, take all the time you want, but I'm starting the meter now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The entrepreneur would just go second. Yeah. And and I share that taxi cab because that's actually the first great coaching question. And and in its simplest form, coaching is three questions. And the three questions is, first, where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. The second question is, where are you now? Now, of course, the taxi cab driver, going back to that that illustration, they know where you're at now because it's the point of pickup. But when you have a coach, they may not be sure in light of that goal of where you want to go, you know, where do I want to go? The second question, but where are you at now?
0: Which is interesting because I have been coaching CEOs ever since my medical accident and and my history. In the last five years, how few can actually answer the second question with data? There's all, you know. There's a gut sense of well, I think this is where we're at. So, well, show me. Like I had, I have a guy who's a government contractor. He provides products for the government primary military and i said well tell me what you, your top three sales categories are and where are you at right now and where are you in comparison to last year and he's like i'm not sure that it wasn't it wasn't a gotcha question it was just this revelatory thing because he's got his blinders on he's yep. running a company he's worried yep. about everything from hr to compliance to manufacturing and so forth and so i just put created a google sheet created his three categories had him fill it in with his accountant. And I said, okay, here's where you're at. And he thought I was brilliant. And it was just because I had, I had taken this second question and, ha- and assisted him to get to the answer. Yeah. Then, then we were able to say, okay, now where are we going?
1: Well, in, in fairness to him, I'm thinking, Mark, of the old days. Now, I realize today we all have smartphones and navigation is on our smartphones. But mm-hmm. in the old days, we could actually get lost driving. Easy, And we'd pull into a, a filling station or, or somewhere and walk in and say, where am I? Yeah, Because the fact is, we actually knew where we wanted to go. We knew the destination, but we'd gotten lost. We didn't know where we we're at. Right. And so, you know, your, your question to him was brilliant. But also, you know, giving him a way to find out where he was at yep. is a bit like in the old days, us walking into the filling station and say, where am I? That's and of course, so they usually laughed and said, well, you're right here. Yeah. And you're saying, well, you know, here's where I want to go, but I don't know where I'm at now. And they would help you. Right. So you were helping him know because he was lost and didn't have navigation. You were helping him find out. Yeah. Now, just like, you know, that navigation illustration, when we got lost, we knew where we wanted to go. We didn't know where we're at. In order to plot a course on any map, you first need to know two things. Where do you want to go? Where are you starting from? That
0: leads us to that third question.
1: Yes. And that is, how do you want to get from here, where you're at now, to there? What's your plan?
0: Uh, Most people are like, that's why I hired you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, fortunately, the taxi cab driver knows. <laughs> right. But in, in our personal world, we have to figure out what is the plan. The coaching process in its simplest form is those three questions. Mark, can I share an enhancement? Okay. Bonus question. Um, When I'm coaching and they answer the third question on their plan to get from here to there, I say, Mark, fabulous. That's one way you could get from here to there. But let's push for five options on how to get from here to there. Ugh. And and usually it's like, oh, my goodness. Leave me alone. But here's the reason. Research has shown that the first two options that people generally state as their plan to get from where they're at to where they want to go are actually things they've already tried. If they'd wow. worked, this wouldn't be the coaching topic. Interesting. But when you push them to five options, you're forcing them to plow new ground. Hmm and think of different ways. Now, ultimately, after you get five options on the table, the next question will be, Mark, fabulous. You now have five options. Which of these do you want to choose? It's not that you're going to do all five. It's like in its simplest form, Mark, I'm I'm in Plano, Texas. You live where, Mark? I live in Maryland. In Maryland. And I want to plot a course. How can I get from Plano to Maryland? Well, my options could be, I could drive, I could fly from DFW to your nearest airport and then take, you know, ground transportation. I could uh, see if there's trains. I could see if there's buses. I could hitchhike. I have five options. Now, Bob, which one do you want to choose? Well, I'd probably choose flying to your nearest airport. In other words, I don't do all five, but I get five options so that I, well, Another quote I love comes from the president of Crew, Steve Douglas. He says, an option of one really isn't an option. (laughs) And so by helping when you're coaching five options on how to get from here to there, you plow that new ground where they're having to think thoughts out of the box they've not thought before, and then figure out which option they want to go with.
0: That's good. So in summary, inspiring growth listeners as you're coaching your kids, your staff, yourself, three questions. Where do you want to go? Where are you now? And come up with about five options about how you're going to get there. So glad you're enjoying Bob T.D.'s interview. Hey, listen, my team would like to ask you a favor. Would you be willing to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're getting your podcasts? Also, write a review and maybe share it with some friends. That would go a long way to help the Inspiring Growth podcast and all these stories get out into the world. Thanks. Now, let's jump back into our conversation with Bob T.D. Okay, so Bob, you mentioned crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, the new shortened abbreviation. And you wrote a book, uh, and you've been involved with Crusade for many, many years. But you wrote a book, I think it's 339 Questions Jesus Asked. Is that right? Why did Jesus ask so many questions? Well, let
1: me go back and and correct you if I can. (laughs) Oh,
0: please. I, I, I
2: earn it often.
1: Yeah. You said I wrote a book, 339 Questions Jesus Asked. Actually, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote the book. Oh, boy. And all I did, the the right word would be compiled. I went through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the New International Version. It turns out that Jesus asked 339 questions. Hmm. So uh, I compiled rather than authored.
0: All right. Well, I'll give you that. And I appreciate that humility. And quite frankly, oftentimes we are all just compiling together. Uh, someone told me one time that Jesus actually only answered three direct questions with an answer. The rest, he responded with questions. Is that, have you heard this? Have you seen this data?
1: I have not. I, I need to go research that, though, because it'd be fascinating for me to know. I ought to know those three questions. I don't.
0: <laughs> Why did Jesus ask so many questions? What, what was that about?
1: I want to go up just a notch and think about, here's Jesus. Many of us would consider him the greatest communicator in all of history.
2: Yep.
1: And, and even for those who are not followers of Jesus, I think you'd have to say he was one of the greatest communicators in all of history. So if we study Jesus as a communicator, We quickly discover that two things he did exceedingly well as a communicator is he told great stories
2: Mm,
0: and he asked
1: fabulous questions.
0: I mean, if we would just tell good stories and ask good questions, we'd be more like Jesus, be better communicators, we could change the world.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, if we want to increase our communication skills, as you said, focusing in those two areas. Mm. Now, Mark, a while back, and I'm not a deep thinker, but a while back, it, it occurred to me one day that the scriptures say that, that Jesus has always existed. Now, we know, you know, he was born, came into human existence at Christmas, but he existed forever in eternity past. And the scripture says that he was actually involved in creation. And so he was involved in creating everything, but including us, human beings. I use kind of a silly illustration or uh, end question. Mark, if you wrote a complicated computer program in order to you know accomplish X, Y, and Z, would it be fair to say that Mark is probably the one who best understands that program and best understands how to maximize the use of that program? Absolutely. Yeah, because he he wrote it. So I was thinking one day, here's Jesus involved in creation. Now, human beings, we are complex beings. I mean, body, soul, mind, weaved all together. I, I don't begin to understand it. But if Jesus was involved in creation, he understands it to the nth degree. And here's what I find fascinating with stories and questions. Mark, when we hear a great story... The way our brain works is we don't actually have to write it down verbatim. We don't have to focus on, man, I've got to memorize this. We hear a great story. Several days later, we can share that story if it comes to mind with somebody almost verbatim. Mm. Because somehow stories just stick in our brains in a way in which random facts do not.
0: The story goes from your head to your heart so much faster.
1: Yeah. And so when Jesus tells stories, he's leveraging the way in which he created the brain. And when he asks questions, again, he's leveraging the way in which he has created us. And of course, he understood that to the nth degree. He understood that telling people what to do would actually have minimal effect Just like it does in our leadership, telling our staff what to do versus engaging them with questions. And so when he asks questions, he is engaging them. And of course, Mark, I'll I'll turn it to you. What were the results when Jesus asked questions versus what if he told instead?
0: There's so many illustrations. I think about this Samaritan woman. She's at the well. She's an outcast. Jesus comes along. He asks her a question. Will you give me a drink? She, you know, She's a little like, what? Why are you asking me for a drink? But I think what happens in that, in that story is, number one, she doesn't feel judged. Number two, that question builds a relationship. It actually creates this opportunity for Jesus and the Samaritan woman to have a conversation so, yeah, I, I would say those are the things that the question leads to.
1: Yeah. I mean, with 339 questions, every one of them has an illustration. And and I love the one you shared, the Samaritan woman. He started with such a practical thing. Yeah. Would you give me a drink? I mean, in other words, he started with the here and now. But that question led to now they were talking, a conversation that you don't know where it will end. Jesus knew where it would end, but I'm just saying when we start with the here and now, it starts the conversation. You know, another illustration of Jesus asking a powerful question, I mean, there's so many, I'm just thinking one example. He shared a great story and then he asked a great question. The great story he shared that almost all of us know is the story of the good Samaritan who helps this one who has been beaten after a priest has passed him by. And the Samaritan helps him Now, something we don't understand is in our American culture today, none of us hate Samaritans. But when Jesus told the story, he was talking about Samaritans who the Jewish people hated. Mm -hmm. And so to make the hero of the story, the Samaritan was like, well, (laughs) brilliant on Jesus's part. But it brought up all sorts of emotions and animosities.
0: Well, wouldn't it be the equivalent in World War II of a Nazi? Yeah. 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 So, the, you know, the Nazi, all of a sudden, you're like instantly you have this visceral reaction
1: wait, yeah, what? Exactly. And so he tells this great story, but he does not end the story with a statement, he ends the story with a question. Now, he's asking the question of a Jewish person, a Jewish person who hated Samaritans. Mm. And he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And it said the expert in the law replied. Now, the reply is really interesting. He does not use the word Samaritan. He does not say the Samaritan. But he replies with the one who had mercy on him. And I'm thinking again, because of the hate that the Jewish people had for the Samaritans, it must have been very difficult mm. to actually give that answer. In other words, it was contrary to his feelings that the Samaritan would be the hero.
0: But Bob, you just illustrated so beautifully how Jesus told a story and then ask a question, and the question created engagement. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, that is, like, that's magic. I, I, I feel like I'm just learning this for the first time in our conversation. Hey, I really hope you're enjoying part one of my two-part conversation with Bob T.D. Doesn't he tell great stories? Ugh. Hey, how would you like a free copy of Bob's new book? Now that's a great question. You know, leading with question isn't just about asking. It's about asking the questions that bring about deeper learning and understanding. Now, that's a great question. The book Bob just published offers you questions for a variety of leadership and life scenarios from some of the great leaders of our time. I refer to this book all the time. Well, if you'd like to get your free copy, head over to inspiringgrowth.biz. Click on free books. That's inspiringgrowth.biz. Now let's jump back into the interview with Bob Tede. Let's go to something else in your book, Now That's a Great Question. You highlight this idea of attacking problems as a team, and you call it question storming. It's this opportunity of dealing with a particular challenge or difficulty, and you you teach teams how to storm it with questions. Tell us what that is and give us a few thoughts on that.
1: Most of us are familiar with brainstorming. Yes, And brainstorming, you know, we focus on, well, here's an issue, let's brainstorm the solutions. And so we, we throw all those out and, you know, there's rules for brainstorming. Every idea is a good idea. Do not comment on anybody else's ideas until we will get to that. But right now, let's just put all the ideas out there. Research has shown, though, that brainstorming has some limited effects. In other words, not as effective as we would like it to. And so I love to suggest question storming. And question storming is taking, you know, whatever the issue is. The issue could be a problem. The issue could be an opportunity. Uh, the issue could be a, a situation. The issue could be, uh, you know, uh, how do we increase sales? right, And, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Well, instead of brainstorming, we question storm. And question storm is you push the team to come up with 50 questions related to whatever the issue, the opportunity, the challenge is on the table.
0: Hold on, hold on.
1: 50? 50. Most teams will will get challenged at about 20 questions.
2: Yeah, like uh, I'm
1: exhausted. Let's, yeah, they, they come up and, and, and tend to uh, stop. Have them take some deep breaths and keep going. Push them to come up with 50 questions. And some of the rules are, you just write them on a whiteboard or poster board. You don't edit them. Again, like brainstorming, no comments. Don't give any answers to questions. Don't state whether that's a good one, a bad one. Just keep going till you get 50.
0: Okay, so you got 50. Then what do you do?
1: Okay, second thing then is, you have the team, they can go up, and they can put marks beside 10 questions. Okay. So what you're really doing is, hey, we brainstormed, so to speak, question storm. We have 50 questions on how to attack this issue or address this challenge or whatever. Now you go up, and they all vote for, for 10. They can't vote for any more. And then you you look at the board again and say, okay, which question got the most checks, most marks? Mm. That's number one. Number two, the order isn't all that important, but what you're really going to do now, now they may have checked 20 different questions, but you're now looking for what are the top 10. You then ask for different staff, depending on how large the staff is, either individuals or small groups to take responsibility to go find the answer to question one? Who will take responsibility to go find the answer to question two? Mm. And then you reconvene Mm. and Mm. begin to share those answers. And out of that comes the way forward.
0: Oh, so good. So move from brainstorming to question storming. Okay. You and I share... Well, relationship is too strong a word because I don't really have a relationship with Pastor Chris Hodges, but he started a church in Birmingham, Alabama called Church of the Highlands. And one of my friends who's a pastor up this way had invited me in to do some leadership development. And he introduced me to Chris through an event down there. And about halfway through the event, I said to my friend who's the pastor, I said, oh, oh, now I get what you've been trying to do for the last three years. And he looked at me and was like, I am the worst leader and communicator in the history of the universe. It took you coming here to figure out what I've been saying for three years. And I said, well, you can judge yourself <laughs> as much as you want, but sometimes it takes someone else in the room to enlighten something that's been told over and over. And you you, you talk about Chris is the only one question that he asks, so he's a pastor, he's, you know, There's a common question that pastors and church staff ask, but he doesn't ask that. Can you tell a little bit about that? Many years ago,
1: I'm thinking it was about 2005. I was in Birmingham, Alabama, visiting a friend, and he said, Bob, with what you're doing with leadership development and my pastor, you two need to meet. He said, I've set up a breakfast at uh, IHOP tomorrow morning for you two to meet. I should have brought a tape recorder or video recorder, it was kind of yeah. prior to smartphones. As we're eating pancakes, I mean, I'm getting pure gold. Chris started with saying, Bob, ever since the founding, he'd planted the Church of the Highlands. He said, ever since we planted this church, he said, there's two questions I have purpose never to ask. And he said, these two questions are probably the first two questions that most pastors around the world ask every Monday morning. Now, he said, mind you, it's not like asking them is immoral. It's not a sin. In fact, it would be very natural to ask these two questions. And he said, but I've chosen never to ask them. But he said, before I go on, Bob, what would you guess are those two questions that most pastors ask? So, Mark, what would you guess are those two questions?
0: I know the answer. I know the answer. Yes, I already know. How many nickels and how many noses did we have this weekend?
1: Well, he had to play a little charades with me for me to get it. <laughs> you know, he rubbed his fingers together to indicate money and then he pointed to his nose to indicate nose and I finally got a nickels and noses.
2: Yeah, and true. and I
1: remember, you know, laughing and saying, "Well, I'm not guilty of that." On Monday mornings, because I'm not in a pastoral role. But I said, I am guilty in other contexts. Yeah, very natural to want to know hey, what was the attendance? How many were out? How many registered? You know, what was the registration fee or book sales or, you know, whatever. And again, uh, we had a good laugh. And he said, Now, Bob, there's a reason I never asked those. He said, if I walked in every Monday morning and my first two questions were, hey, what was the offering yesterday? What was our attendance? He said, it would not matter what I asked the rest of the week or what I told my staff the rest of the week was really, really important. They would instinctively know that Pastor Hodges, what's really, really important is nickels and noses. And he said, "Bob, you actually can't grow an organization just because you know those two things." So I never asked those." Now he smiled and said, "I have other ways to find out you know that data." <laughs> yeah. But he said, "Bob, there's only one question I ask." He said, "Bob, on the development review form by which our paid staff get merit pay increases, we only have one question." He said, wow. "We actually use the same question with all our lay leaders, you know, self-funded staff. He said, when we evaluate every program in the church, we ask the same question. When we launch a new program, we actually ask a variable of the same question. He's eating more bites of pancake.
2: Man,
0: man, come on, don't stop teasing me. And he says,
1: Bob, by any chance, might you want to know that question? <laughs> well, Chris, we're not leaving here until you share it with me. He said, here it is what are you doing to develop leaders? What are you doing to develop leaders? He shared that, you know, on the development review form by which paid staff got merit pay increases. He said, you know, Bob, I have a lot of recent seminary graduates on our staff. He said, if they thought the question was, Who is doing the best job of teaching this class? He said they would probably teach it 50 out of 52 weeks, except for when they go on vacation. They love to teach, they think they're great teachers. But he said that would equal no pay increase. Mm. The ones who get the maximum pay increase have an answer something like Well, in my Sunday school class, I've now prepared four different people, each of them taught the class for six weeks each each of the four could now launch their own Sunday school class. He said that staff member, man or woman, will probably get the maximum pay increase because they're actively developing others. He went on to say no organization, no church, no company can grow any faster than its ability to develop more leaders. You may have heard this once there's a quote. I'm sorry I can't uh, give the attribution on it, but good leaders are known by how many followers they have. Great leaders are known by how many leaders they develop. So well said. Chris so Hodges is a great leader.
0: Bob has written a book called Now That's a Great Question. One of the chapters in that book is 12 Great Questions Leaders Ask Other Leaders. This book is chock full of ways of in helping you move from being a teller to a a inquisitive, curious leader that doesn't have to have all the answers. That's also the name of your blog that you asked me to write a story
2: for.
1: Yes, leadingwithquestions.com is my blog. We just celebrated the seventh anniversary. There's new posts every Monday and Thursday. And and here's the the best news is that 90% of those are guest posts from (laughs) incredible leaders. There you go, curating again. Yeah, I'm a curator, much more an originator, but you and the other subscribers are the beneficiaries because, as as well as me, if we were limited just to my thoughts, uh, that would be limited. But here we get to hear from great leaders literally around the globe sharing their experience at leading with questions.
0: So good, Bob. Always a pleasure to learn new questions to ask and to engage with you. I hope and pray that when I am at that, Place that you sit today, high atop that that monumental seventy-five years of life. That I will have the same spirit, same inquisitive attitude, same energy that you have.
1: Well, Mark, don't don't make me older than I am. It's seventy. Oh, sorry,
0: sorry. <laughs> I was giving you five years.
1: <laughs> but uh, but, Mark, you know I share this with you and with the listeners. Nothing excites me more than thinking about the possibility of helping leaders increase their leadership effectiveness times 10. I really believe a leader who moves from leading by telling to leading by asking will increase their effectiveness times 10. And not only will they be more effective, I really am motivated by the fact that their staff will be much better led.
0: Uh, Well said. There you have it, Bob T.D. If you'd like a free copy of Bob's new book, now that's a great question, head over to the Inspiring Growth website at inspiringgrowth.biz. Click on free books. That's inspiringgrowth.biz. And remember, you have the power to inspire your world with these great questions and stories. All you have to do is share the inspiring growth podcast on your social media. Would you be willing to do that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, today's podcast was edited by Dylan Garvin with Studio D podcast production. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're a leader wanting to grow your organization, reach out to me personally at the inspiring growth website, inspiringgrowth.biz. And let's set up a video chat. I'm Mark P. Fisher. And remember our best connections of growth with others happen when we are kind, present, and ask good questions. I'm wondering, how would you like a free copy of Bob's new book? Now that's a great question. To get your copy, head over to inspiringgrowth.biz. Click on free books. That's
2: inspiringgrowth.biz.